You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast available anytime on demand at WPF, excuse me, P, WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. Send us a note to AARP Without Limits at AARP.org with your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions for future guests and topics. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. And we've got a great program for you here today, Congresswoman Deborah Ross representing the 2nd Congressional District of North Carolina, is here with us in the studio. But first, ladies and gentlemen, as always, my partner in crime, our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you today, buddy? I'm good. I'm excited for the program today. You know, we've got uh, – we always have a great guest in here, but I feel like with Deborah Ross here, you know, I need to really keep myself even keel. We've got to have our pencil sharp and our A game here uh, for sure. Uh, uh, before we get to her, though, really excited that she's here too uh, with us. Um, gotta talk to you a little bit. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about the weather coming in today because we are experiencing what is definitely a very seasonally warm January. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm from Florida, so I feel like I'm kind of at home a little bit. You know, this is kind of weird. I do like, you know, a random day in the 60s or 70s throughout the week, and then hey, maybe cool down for the rest of the week. That's fine, but uh, I like it. You know, this is kind of. North Carolina. It's you never know what to expect. It is. I know. And I have to say, I as you know, and I think many of our listeners know, I hail from the northeast down here in North Carolina only for ten years now. I still love the seasonal change that I had from the Northeast growing up, my first thirty-five of my years of my life up there. And the winters aren't bad, you know, growing up at the Jersey Shore is really not a bad thing in the winter. But um but still, um, I, it's a funny story here. Before, when I was looking at transferring down to ARP North Carolina, I used to work for ARP New York, uh, commuting up in the city. Another one of those things I don't miss from up there. And uh, I remember I was on a, um, a six-month uh, temporary assignment with our ARP New Hampshire state office up there in 2012. And uh, I remember uh, getting on a plane with my family going to go down to Charlotte, be interviewed for the position. Got on the plane in, in uh, New Hampshire. It was six degrees out. Got off in Charlotte. It was 60 degrees. Wow. And immediately said, I can get used to this. <laughs> and uh, and sure enough, as it is, is like, that's the way it is here. You get into February and 60s is a very common thing and, and all that. So um, I mentioned the the seasonal thing, not, not just for the weather so much, but just for I'm definitely intrigued by uh, seasonal habits. Now, I know a Back uh, the last show or two, Jason, we were talking about New Year's resolutions. Um, I hope those are going well for you, by the way, so far. I'm still on track. You know, it's it's always a struggle, but you got to stick to it. You good man. Build good that man. rhythm. Very inspiring. That's good. As I mentioned back then, I'm a year-round guy, and I'm also a very seasonal guy. And that includes not only the goals I set for myself, but also entertainment, music, there's only certain songs or certain movies I'll watch like during the summer, you know, or during the winter. 
And uh, one thing about these very mild winters here is I don't quite find myself in the zone to get into like those favorite winter movies, you know, like can't just can't get under a blanket and watch Dr. Zhivago one morning if it's 60 degrees outside, you know, it just doesn't quite <laughs> do it for me. Uh, but anyway, those of you listening, send us uh, what your thoughts are on the seasons. And I do know we have so many transplants here in North Carolina, especially here in the Triangle area. Always love especially to hear from you. ARP without limits at aarp.org is how you can get in touch with us. Again, always really appreciate uh, the feedback there. But let's get into the good stuff. Congresswoman Deborah Ross is here with us in the studio. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's always a pleasure, and I love being on WPTF, too. Yeah, and I know you've got a bit of a history here, been on the airwaves quite a bit. It's like you were knew just about everybody coming into the studio today, so familiar well, ground? I've, I've been around for a little while, um, so eligible for AARP. <laughs> um, so uh, folks, folks, um, folks know me here, and I know the station quite well. Right. Well, I know they're all happy to see you back as well. So congratulations on your reelection. Um, you represent the second district here in North Carolina, which includes, uh, of course, many of our listeners. Um, and every district has got its own unique set of challenges and opportunities. And I'm wondering, as you're beginning this new term in Congress, uh, what issues in the district are you hearing the most about right now? Well, thank you for asking. And I think um, the biggest issue that we hear about in the district is rising prices, but in Wake County, that issue mostly comes with housing and health care. And so we are such a growing area, more than 60 people a day move into Wake County. And as you said, many of them are seniors. They move here to be with their families. They move here because we've got so many great amenities and great weather, like you talked about. Um, but the price of apartments and buying a new home is going up. It's not like it is, you know, in Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, but people are seeing that inflation in their rent prices, a difficulty buying homes, and then, of course, because interest rates are up, um, it's making it hard, harder to do borrowing. That's been a huge priority in my office. Um, last year and this year, we got funding for affordable housing projects. So last year we got money for an affordable housing project called Kings Ridge, which is near Wake Med. And just this year, uh, around Christmas time, we got a million dollars for an affordable housing project in Cary. And so we're very glad that our local governments are investing in affordable housing, but the federal government has a role to play. And the budget that we just passed also has money to build more affordable housing because, as your listeners know, it's supply and demand. Um, and also health care, and we can get into that um, and all the work, that great work we've done for seniors. And, uh, and the, the housing piece is so huge because so many people just see it just as a local problem, a local issue. And there are lots of reasons for that. And, of course, we like hearing about big jobs and big employers, you know, bringing more people here to the area. Um, but, of course, it comes at a cost, and that means our housing stock is uh, is becoming less available and people are looking at local officials. But they don't realize that the federal government's got a, a, an important part of this, especially on that affordability piece, which is, as you mentioned, is so important uh, to uh, to our older members, uh, many of which are on, on really fixed incomes. Um, 
I want to switch gears here real quick, if we can. During the, the uh, recent vote to select the House Speaker, C-SPAN's cameras were live on the floor, of course, because the new House rules had yet to be uh, adopted, uh, rules which typically limit where cameras can go. And many Americans were fascinated to see the process unfold live, especially fascinated to see some very friendly discussion taking place between some very conservative Republicans and very progressive Democrats. Um, in these very partisan times, it was refreshing, I think, to a lot of people to see that real dialogue and negotiation actually does take place in the House, but we never get to see that. I'm interested to know how typical is that? What are your thoughts on this apparent disconnect between what the media and with a lot of political interests and fundraising uh, fundraising uh, uh, entities uh, present and what the actual discussion and negotiation process is like in the House of Representatives? Well, um, as we all know, you know, having fireworks and conflict sells, right? It's always more interesting to see where there are problems than where there are solutions. And, you know, it's the same reason why people like watching car chases and car wrecks, you know. Oh, boy, this is what's going on. Does somebody want to watch just normal traffic all day long? <laughs> That's a great analogy. No. That really and, is, yeah. And so mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of bipartisan work that gets done in Congress. Uh, I got 11 bills um, signed into law, either as freestanding bills or as part of another package that they got rolled into, um, with almost no controversy, because the vast majority of them were bipartisan. I served on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee, where we rarely had to have a recorded vote because everybody agreed that we needed to have more investment in science, space, and technology, and we needed to plan for the next generation. And so that kind of dialogue happens all the time. I have a great relationship with many of the Republican members of the North Carolina delegation. We do a lot of work together. Um, but. Nobody says, oh, tell me about the great, wonderful things that you're doing and how you can get along. They're always like, is that person really mean? Or does, you know, I always, I get questions. I even had, um, I got together with a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time from Wilmington. And the, one of the questions he asked me was, you know, what is AOC like? And I'm like, well, I've had lunch with her. You know, I don't like, we don't, there's no back and forth negative thing that's going on that everybody imagines or necessarily like rah-rah things that go on. Mm -hmm. We just do our business. Um, we're all just normal people, just like your listeners. Mm -hmm. And um, we like to have good conversations and we like to get things done. You know, I heard an interesting thing on, uh, it was, I saw uh, former House Speaker Paul mm. Ryan being interviewed uh, recently, and he was saying this idea about maybe letting the C-SPAN cameras mm. roll and have that be a regular mm. thing. He's like, well, I understand the intrigue, and, and it's it's great theater to watch, but remember, it will turn into that. People will start playing yeah. to the cameras. You could see some of that even a little bit during uh, the debate on the House Speaker vote. Well, and that's what happens in committees. Mm. So the committees, you can watch on line um, they can they're on c-span or on you can some people you can do webex and become a an attendee and then what people do frequently is you get five minutes in the committee to speak and it's performative there are some members of congress who only show up to the committee meeting for their five minutes and basically talk directly to camera 
And so, because I'm a freshman, or not anymore, but because I was a freshman, I would frequently be the last person to speak. And since I pay attention to my committees um, and the other questions that are asked, I make sure not to ask the same question again. But sometimes I learn something and then I come up with other questions or reflections to enhance the dialogue. But um, that's unfortunately not what all of my colleagues do. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating look behind the curtain here. We've been speaking with Representative Deborah Ross. This is ARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we're back. This is AARP Without Limits here at WPTF. We've been speaking with Congresswoman Deborah Ross. Fascinating look behind the curtain at the House of Representatives and just how really civil it is and also how there's also still plenty of theater uh, that goes on there. We need to get into some uh, some meat and potatoes, though, um, in terms of policy. Um, Congresswoman, we had you on as a guest for one of our teletown halls in the fall talking about prescription drug pricing improvements that were recently passed and signed into law by President Biden. Um, we also spoke a bit about the, um, well, yeah, let's get right into that, uh, prescription drugs. Many of our listeners have been saddled with with really high costs. Um, can you tell us a bit about that, what that victory means, what uh, what folks can expect? Absolutely. And some of the, um, the changes have gone into effect, went into effect on January 1st. So as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, there were numerous measures to lower health care costs for seniors. And four of those measures have already gone into effect. So there will be penalties on drug manufacturers that increase prices um, beyond the, the rate of inflation. There's free vaccines from, for Medicare recipients. So just to let you all know, 140,000 North Carolinians will be able to get free vaccines. So if there's a vaccine that you've been putting off because you thought you might have to do some kind of copay or something like that, you should look into what vaccines you can get and get those vaccines for free. There's also a $35 cap on the cost of insulin. So $35 per month under Medicare. This will help 116,000 North Carolinians with Medicare Part D. And then we've also extended the Affordable Care Act subsidies. And so this means that people will get more help buying health care on the exchange. And this is particularly important in North Carolina because we have not expanded Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Now, I have been working on that ever since I was in the North Carolina General Assembly. Fingers crossed we will get it done this year. But in the meantime, having these subsidies is so important, and that is currently in effect. Now, we'll all, in, in April, we will have limits to inflation effects on certain drugs. Um, for Part B drugs, if the drug's price increase fa increases faster than the rate of inflation, in October... There will be free vaccines for Medicaid recipients um, and CHIP recipients. And then, of course, we will start the negotiation for the price of prescription drugs in 2026 and cap Medicare Part D out-of-pocket drug spending to $2,000 per year for 2024. 
And so, so many things, so mm. many good things. But if I left anything out, you're the expert. So please uh, let the listeners no, know. All that's great. And I really appreciate you sharing the, the time frames with how some of these things are going to happen. Because so many people often, they go, wait a minute, this isn't happening immediately. You know, and there are stuff that is stuff that is happening already, but some stuff that will take a little bit of, of time to happen. I remember back when the uh, Medicare Modernization and Improvement Act was passed back during the George W. Bush years. Um, which created the Medicare Part D program. And just a little disclosure here, ARP got a lot of grief for supporting that, got a lot of heat from from a lot of progressive Democrats because it was a far from perfect bill, including things like the infamous donut mm-hmm. hole. But we figure something's better than nothing. You know, 40 years, no, no prescription drug benefit for Medicare. And it took 10 years, thanks to the ACA, mm-hmm. to close that. And now it, we're past that. It's been closed but still, it took 10 years. And so folks need to understand these are negotiate things that are negotiated, very, very high cost uh, items that do take time um, to work out compromises and for them to actually happen. This thing on negotiations is so big, though, Congresswoman. Um, and for folks to understand, because you hear the uh, from a, a lot of opponents hearing, oh, this is about government price controls. No, this is actually, actually what you have right now is the opposite. You have the industry controlling what the price is and telling the federal government, we negotiate with every other major country in the world except you. You're going to pay our prices, meaning the American senior is effectively subsidizing the low cost for prescription drugs in places like Canada and throughout Europe and all these other places. So, you know, it's so good to have seen common sense prevail on this. And hopefully this becomes one of those types of things where people understand that the role of the federal government um, can be very, very helpful and essential when it comes to making sure that basic safety net um, uh, security is there with things like just simply being able to say, hey, we're not setting the prices. We're going to negotiate with the industry because that was actually prohibited in that that Part D law. So thank you so much for your your vote for that. Oh, absolutely. I've been advocating for it for years and um, really felt honored that in my first term in Congress, um, you you said you've been working on it for all these years, but in my first term of Congress, I got to vote for it. So that's pretty (laughs) exciting. Well, we really appreciate that. Um, Another thing I, I want to get to while we have our, our time with you, and again, we really appreciate you, you spending time and your busy schedule. I know there are a few things going on in Washington right now, and so we really appreciate you being here back in the district and making time for us and our listeners. Um, one of the things I really appreciated when you were on our Teleton Hall with us back in November was speaking about the opportunities for bipartisan work. And I think you pride yourself, it sounds like, on your opportunity to get things done working with Republicans um, for you know common sense solutions. Uh, what are some of those things? What are some things going on right now that you're working on you want folks to know about? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, we introduced, reintroduced a bill, bipartisan bill, on um, education on cybersecurity. And so, you know, we've seen these attacks, uh, Colonial Pipeline, all sorts of different cybersecurity problems, but we don't have the cybersecurity workforce that we need, I call them the white hats for cybersecurity, to combat the people who are trying to disrupt our infrastructure, disrupt our financial system. And so what happens is um, we don't have 
professors to teach cybersecurity because make a whole lot more money if you just go out and get a job working on it. And we don't have people who get master's degrees or PhDs in this so that they can really get to the root of it. We also don't have enough investment in our HBCUs and some of our community colleges about this. So um, I, Representative Carey from Ohio and I introduced this bill, went through the House, no problem. Everybody voted for it, but it just didn't have enough time in the Senate. And so we were asked to reintroduce the bill, and we have done that, consistent with the current House rules, and we're hopeful that we will see that bill on the floor soon. And I'm also working with a bipartisan group on other ways of lowering the cost of prescription drugs for everybody not just for seniors. Mm -hmm. So rebate issues, issues to deal with um, people who do price setting and maybe don't take into account what the needs are. And um, I was asked by a couple of Republican members to join a bipartisan group working on those issues. And um, I'm also working on law enforcement issues. Uh, there's a bill that I sponsored last session that provides more um, help to law enforcement that might have post-traumatic stress disorder from being in a high stress situation. For example, you know, we had this mass shooting in Raleigh mm -hmm. and the law enforcement that had to respond to that. They do a fantastic job for us, but you know, everybody's a person right. and might need help with how they process it themselves. Um, you know, law enforcement sees a lot of sad things on our streets. And so I want to make sure that they have the resources that they need to take care of themselves so that they can take care of us. Um, and then, you know, last session we did all sorts of things on domestic violence, on infrastructure, on science. Um, so I will fight um, if the cause is right and we need to protect people. But I also think, again, to the beginning part of this, there's so much behind the scene work that goes on in a bipartisan way. Well, thank you so much for that that snapshot of bipartisan work that you're doing and opportunity. Uh, look, really look forward to to um, talking to you again at some point uh, for sure. Um, how can folks reach you? Folks in, in the district who want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you, your constituent services? Team? So we have a um, website, ross.house.gov. And what that does is it lists our uh, telephone number for Washington, D.C., our telephone number for here in the district. And your listeners should know that we have four people who work all day, every day on Social Security, veterans issues, all manner of things. But they can get directed to the right person if they go to our website, ross.house.gov. And on that website are telephone numbers for the appropriate places to call. Wonderful. Congresswoman Deborah Ross, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, you're welcome back here anytime. We really appreciate you, you taking the time with us today. Well, Happy New Year to both of you. It's been so much fun. Wonderful. So thank you uh, to uh, Jason Kong for production. Thank you, the listeners, for listening in. Reach out to us at AARP Without Limits at AARP.org with a question, comment, any feedback at all is welcome. This is Mike Olander with AARP North Carolina signing off.